0: who they are and live a radically authentic life they decided to defy the conventions overcome life obstacles and challenges pursue their passions follow their vision they reinvented themselves in order to live at the center of who they are no matter how it looks like There are great teachings and soul medicine in their personal journeys And this is what this podcast is about. Life is a journey. There is no destination, no place to arrive. Life is a miraculous succession of soul experiences, amazing encounters, and a journey of soul discovery. You are your own guru. Follow your soul dream. Hello, my name is Sonia Ratto. I'm your host, and this is The Wild and Wise Show. It's a privilege to have a conversation with Clay Loma Clay is an actor, writer, singer, shamanic healer, soul dreamer, and spiritual counselor. He is the creator of The Medicine of One, a non dual shamanic path heavily grounded in um, Advaita Vedanta and designed to empower people to be their own healer through their own basic greater presence that he calls the big eye. Clay has also developed the primordial movement, um, the primordial movements, which is an intuitive body-based technique for bringing emotional movements of the soul into the physical body to move out the unmoved blocks. And this happens in real time while working with, with people. Here is my, my conversation with Clay. I'll meet you on the other side. Hi Clay, how are you doing? Hello Thank you very much for being the guest of the Wild and Wet Show Clay. It's going to be a, a very casual conversation. Like when people visit you and work with you. They arrive in um they arrive in Cottonwood in Arizona. Cottonwood is a small town close to Sedona. They arrive to your house, and they sit on your beautiful rounded rug by your fireplace, and they have a conversation with you. So I was thinking that maybe today we could have that type of conversation so people can get a sentiment of what it is to to work with you.
1: (laughs) In that case, I do end up doing most of the talking, but.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. Um, The direction I'd like to take with you today is about one of your chapter, one of the chapter, one of the chapter in your book, the medicine of one. And this specific chapter is peace, how we meet our losses, and if I remember well, it's uh, chapter fourteen. Yeah. I must say this is a chapter that um, particularly resonates with me in my personal life, but I I feel like it's 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 a universal a theme. It, 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 it concerns everybody. Uh, so I think it's going to resonate with many people who are listening to us. Because uh, your book is this kind of book that when you need wisdom, when you need advice, when you need insight, guidance, you just open the book and then magically you land on the on the right page, on the right chapter. Um, you know you read the right lines uh, that you're supposed to read to get unstuck um, and personally I am very lucky because I've known you for since 2012 and besides reading your lines or working with you I still have those words your words in my mind so sometimes I, I can even hear you in my head <laughs> But before diving deep into the, this particular, this particular topic, I was thinking that maybe you could explain to our listener, our listeners, what is the medicine of one? Because you are the founder of the medicine of one. And so, um, I would love to hear you about what is the, what the medicine of one is and what your work is about.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, it's, first of all, I use the circle. I used a circle to talk about what is what we can't really talk about, which is when you are in your full presence and just here and occupying all the space that your body is within, it's like a sphere, a circle. It's like the sky. And so that circle, the way I look at it is we all – whether we know it or not, want to live at the center. So that I call the one noble truth. So at the center, obviously there's a sense of centeredness, and when you're at the center, it's the it's the circle uh, that has no circumference, and it's the center that's everywhere. So, you know, and it begins with yourself, so that at the center is this open sky love to yourself and everything that moves inside of you and then from that comes how you engage the world and so you treat people the same way you want to be treated because you are treating yourself with that spacious love and that is that is you when you are that spaciousness as the medicine of one You are your own best medicine. And, but it's everything in our lives, uh, we're surviving and survival is the opposite. Survival is not open spaciousness. It's tension, thinking, holding the breath and control. Whereas you as the circle, which I also call the big eye, is open, relaxed, breathing and it's that simple it's that doorway is right there just by a breath down and no thinking even if it's two seconds and so in a lot of the work that i do if i can just get somebody to do that sometimes for two to five seconds to a feeling that their whole life they have been contracting around something can shift and move and it moves them toward the center and so the idea is it's a reversal of a lifetime habit of trying to throw everything out of the circle in order to live at the center. Whereas now, whatever you've tried to throw out, you bring it back into the circle of your love, which I call the true action of self-love. Because it's it's literally you're, you're choosing to be this spaciousness. You're not thinking, I love this. or carrying on some kind of imaginary dialogue. You are, it's a state of being. Um, And so the idea is, yes, I help people to do that, but my whole thing is for people to move through life in that way. Uh, So what I do is, is more spiritually oriented. It can look like therapy, but it is not therapy. And so i I very much c- carefully avoid uh becoming a therapist, which means I don't want to see people over and over again. I don't want them to have to come to me,
0: yes, but many also many people come back also because they want to go deeper uh they want to um to go deeper. The first retreat or vision cast with vision quest with you has opened a doorway, and now they want to go deeper and peel the the onion of the soul, so to speak.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, know. And it's a path. And, you know, life takes us off the path all the time. Uh, and it's not like, you know, people reach different stages in their life. I just had a man here. Uh, and I've seen him three or four times in the last about 10 years. And... He's been through it. The, the first time I saw him, his wife was leaving him. Uh, and so it was kind of about that this time. This time, actually, I, he didn't really know why he was here. He was here to get for me to push the reset button for him. So in, in this case, it wasn't really him taking on the medicine one and using it in his life. He. Just by the soul journey, which is where I'm gathering what's in the way and moving toward what he wants, something happens for him that I honestly cannot explain. Uh, but it does it. And the rest of the stuff I do, which is other ways to um, clear the way uh, of what's blocking the way to that center, um, he, he's not interested in that so uh you know but my my thing is i want people more to teach to take on the teaching and the path in the meantime i just try to to help and to serve what they want so um
0: yeah so when you breathe when you touch the quiet uh, and release the grip of the controller when you are not in the thinking mind when you are not the thinking mind is it is it peace
1: yeah i mean peace yes it's every it's all the words that we apply to ultimately what we want peace love trust freedom they're all just different words to use to describe that and then obviously we use those words to describe being in life and doing too in the world so but but it comes from it comes from the being you 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 know it's like i have a phrase true true doing comes from true being uh, and and so yeah the peace it, it, ideally is something that's what is permanently who we are Um, But it's a dance, right? I mean,
0: loss is inevitable and comes in our lives through many, many forms, whether it is the death of a loved one, the loss of health, uh, the loss of a relationship, loss of a friendship, loss of a job, loss of a home, loss of a dream. Loss is what this life is about after all. So how can we be at peace? when we deal with those types of, of loss
1: or or a, well and so we're talking about grief
0: yes uh, i'm talking about grief and i um, talking also about um, soul loss what we call in shamanism soul loss
1: well in a way soul loss is not dealing with the losses that we have in the world not letting the emotions move the soul isn't made up of You can't lose it. What happens? It's it's energy, it's emotion, and so by the suppression of the emotions that happen when we lose what we love, we are are we're uh, sort of draining the energy that that energizes the soul and allows us to be present. So by fully, you know, all the aspects of loss whatever they might be, by allowing them to move, then you are able to be more present and more soulful, I guess, in a way you could say. And you're able more to keep loving. I mean, that's really the whole point, to stay open. And that's why in that chapter, uh, my greatest losses over uh, repeatedly over and over again are with my dogs. And I have one now that's that's fading out. So, and it's very, and each one's a different story. Some of them are very traumatic and, uh, uh, and difficult. Some, you have to choose to put them down some. So they're complicated stories. Each, each loss is its own complicated story. It's just not this sort of simple kind of loss that you can make an outline. And this is what you do every time you need, you lose something sometimes you could have you could have blame uh, against yourself and guilt and fault um, and that you didn't do enough and or that you know so there can be different or that you made the wrong choice or there's all kinds of things within that that whatever is in there emotionally you want to find a way to let move to sort of free you from the loss, from the story, so that you can go on letting things come into your life. Uh, people to survive frequently, in order to not feel that loss, they stop living. They stop loving. It's you know, it's obvious in people in relationships, and you know, I get people all the time. It's like you know, I want to. I can't seem to, to, to have a relationship or be in a relationship. Usually in their history is a loss that they haven't moved. And so it creates a wall. And,
0: and then the feeling becomes a belief.
1: Right. We have, yeah. So we, as we, an
0: example, you have the feeling that you are not loved. And this feeling becomes a belief. I will never be loved. And so what I was trying to say is that at a certain moment, the feeling becomes a thought, the thought becomes a belief, and then problems, you have problems there. There is a problem here. Yeah,
1: well, the feeling and the thought, The, the to me, the, the emotion, the feeling energizes the thought. Um, and the thought then holds the story in place. So I always look at it. There's two things that have to happen. One is be willing to give up what you believe. And at the same time, move that emotional charge rather than contract around it. And they both need to happen because if you don't give up what you believe, you'll just bring it right back, even though you moved it,
0: which is at the opposite of the traditional therapies where people try to go to the roots of the thoughts and they are using the mind to understand their own mind which is totally absurd and and that's why your work is is very very different
1: yeah and they're yeah traditional stuff fortunately there's new stuff out there my daughter's doing a, a somatic uh, psychotherapy where they use the body sensations which is very similar to what i'm doing in a way i uh, it's it gets you out of the head and into a vibration, really, uh, you know, that can manifest uh, your body. You know, I think that we actually, yeah, it comes out of that whole thing of focusing, they used to call it back in the 1980s.
0: Um, and what is very different in your approach, and that's why you're so different from um, traditional mental therapies, is that the medicine of one invites us to give up believing in our thinking and in that, you're very close to Eastern philosophies and Advaita Vedanta, especially, which invite us to give up believing in the thinking.
1: Yeah, well, and it's not—you're not telling yourself that you're not going to think it because that's impossible. Uh, to me, it's—it's it's, it, to me, it's all about a different relationship with your emotions and your thinking, and the relationship is anchoring yourself, choosing to identify who you are as that big eye circle rather than the spins. And everything goes haywire when you get swept into the spins. Uh, And, you know, obviously those spins always involve not being in control. So... Just because you're the big I doesn't suddenly allow you to be in control. <laughs> that's the surrender aspect. You're giving up being in control. You're letting it uh, move itself out and not controlling it anymore. In a way, so it's kind of a paradox in a way. But um, you know, we all as you you already expressed the whole word on control. That's that kind of drives it all in a way. You know,
0: I was reading another chapter of your book this morning, and the title of that chapter is uh, loss of deep listening. And in one of the paragraphs, you say that at the very root of control is fear. There is something also that you say in that chapter is we can get lost in our losses.
1: Absolutely. Yeah yeah, or never having it. <laughs> I mean uh, you know or, or having had it at such a young age that you don't even know what it is. Uh, to me, it's more the whole world mer- moves in the circle of you. And as long as you, as long as you keep abiding as what everything moves in, it's real. But the minute you choose to occupy those small spaces, where you have your beliefs and and your little eye, it's not true anymore. You've you've ceased to live in the in the real world.
0: You say in your book, uh, I quote: "When you lose what you love, be with your loss in all its forms and movements, but don't get entangled in thoughts born in the separateness." Um. The, this quote is really loaded, and I feel that it really captures an essential piece of of the medicine of one.
1: Yeah, easier said than done. <laughs> I always say it's easy, but it's not simple. It's simple, but it's not easy. It, that's why it's a path. It's not something that you, you know. Okay, I got that. I'm done. No, not with most people. Uh, and obviously, you know, true self-realization is, is to be able to occupy that big eye so permanently that it then dissolves in beyond itself. That's self-realization. But my feeling is if you can just occupy that big eye and live from that, let the rest of it take care of itself.
0: So I would like to ask a very candid question. How do you cultivate awareness? Uh, how do you... Um practice the medicine of one. You, you, you used to say there is no technique. There is no mantra. How do you practice the medicine of one when you're not in a medicine circle in nature in the middle of nowhere um, in Arizona?
1: Oh, well, all, all it is is awareness. It's that simple. I mean, you as that spaciousness is the sky that's aware of everything that what's happening in it without getting involved in it. Um, without being, it's an awareness that gives up being aware of individual things, but you are aware of them. Um, and rather than being caught up in them, which is takes you in attention and control. So, you it's always you know in, in when I do the retreats I give you that that ribbon at the end of how to step into your big eye which starts with your breath so everything we we do to take us out of that is holding the breath tense up and thinking so literally if you can breathe down but what you find when you're thinking and you, and you're in a you're a difficult moment it could be an argument It's almost impossible to stay down your whole body and you can't stop to going up into thinking the minute you think anything, I don't care what it is, there's tension. And so that's, you know, why, like Ramana and all these people, it's like, what is self-realization? Not having no thoughts.
0: I remember once I was uh, I was uh, in your house and I saw a beautiful statue on a table, but it was very intriguing because the, the the head of the statue was removed and placed at the bottom of the statue. And I remember I asked you and I say why why is the head of the statue like cut off and on the side? And then you laughed and you said, Oh, but because this is all. This is what it's all about.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the head's actually down in the down, you know, on the legs in a sort of half lotus and the head is simply a shell that's open, that's listening like an ear. There
0: is also um, a common misunderstanding about having no thoughts. Many yogis talk about controlling the mind some yogis talk about quieting the fluctuation of the mind i think it's all about an interpretation of the sutras but but i i feel like the common temptation is to try to control the mind there is also some confusion about what detachment is what detachment is about can you talk to us about that
1: well actually that's a good you know that that yeah, sometimes certain uh, paths end up creating... The awareness is, it's almost like outside looking at the circle and what's moving in it rather than being the circle. So it becomes an emotional detachment. It's like taking clothes off and just getting rid of them as opposed to, like, dissolving them. Um, and it, it's it's more much more mental. Uh, there's no act, there's no true action of self-love in it. And the problem with it is it, the, it's like it's like certain people that have really it, uh, I don't it's not a direct comparison, but like in Catholicism and all these teachings and they know all the con- conceptual teachings but they're still you know abusing children and stuff like that. Because they've they've suppressed the emotions that still determine their actions, or you could take the Buddhist guy that wrote the uh, the Tibetan Book of Living and Dying, uh, a wonderful, wonderful book, but very abusive man. I mean, really hitting people and and with women and you know, but he wrote a great book. So you know, the personality of a person is not always. You know, I I don't think ultimately the book's still a gift and helps people. So, you know, the rest of it's I guess his karma or whatever. I don't know, but um, I mean, but and ultimately with any of this, as far as I'm concerned, you gotta sort of always be trying to live it. You know, to some extent, but and I think that reflects definitely. Yeah, I don't know what happened to him. <laughs> But it's happened so with a lot of these people. Yes,
0: it's really terrible. When I looked at when I look at yoga, whatever the lineage right now, when I look at all the lineages from Ashtanga to Iyengar, Satyananda, etc., there are abuses everywhere in any any lineage.
1: Well, and to me, that's that's because the, whatever their practice is. The, re, the way that they've related to the emotions is to distance themselves, not to free themselves from what drives it. So eventually they are presented with a uh, temptation because, you know, people are, tra- you know, women. Uh, you know, the, the, obviously, you know, when we're working in medicine, it's very intimate, it's intimate work. And it, it's, it, and it's easy, particularly for a client to develop feelings. So you got to be really uh, clear that that's, abs- yeah, that's just not, uh, but, you know, that ultimately just, I don't worry about other people. It's like, I got to walk, just take, you know, be the demonstration of how I think the world should be. That's another component of the whole thing, you know, Um, because, I mean, there's so much we can look at the world and things wrong with it and get involved in, you know, our opinions and, uh, you know, just do what it is you will do to bring what you want into the world.
0: That is also a big component of the medicine of wine is give up being right or being wrong Um, because this is the realm of the little i and there are so many spiritual lineages or even spiritual teachers i've been working with where there is this mentality of this path is right this technique is right we are right and look at what happened during covid i mean pro-Trump, anti-Trump, pro-mask, anti-mask, pro-cons. There is this constant duality and opposition of people who want constantly to be right and prove that you are wrong.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the whole polarity, political polarity currently is... Uh, a, a very unfortunate, extreme example of both parties think they're right, um, but there's an interesting dynamic going there that um, I think reflects suppression on a cultural, national level that the Republican the Republican Party is is playing out, and it's. It's um, demonstrated and visible in the one man that they're addicted to, uh, it, it, which is being driven by fear and anger. And and greet you know so it, it's it's and you know it, it just that it's sort of like. Like we all could have a percentage of emotions that we've done that to, too, say. And it's like the whole nation has, you know, a third of them uh, are in that mode. And... But to me, they're also people that have no sense of true worth. Uh, It's like being part of a cult, in a way, where you get identity. Um, It's like white people are better than black people you know the whole thing just goes it's really you know it's too bad it's too bad that man ha it's too bad that every you know it's like with the hopis and the different worlds it's like it just seems to have to go on and forever and ever <laughs> you know the, the, so
0: going back to the medicine of one i would like to give to our listeners a sense of what it is to work with the medicine of one so imagine that i am in the desert and i am drawing on the dirt on the ground a big circle and imagine that i'm stepping into this circle and i am sitting right at the center of the circle so my old stories emotions trauma belief whatever move right at that very moment in the circle Um, It's my stories, let's say. And so the challenge is, the path is to let those stories move through me and practice a form uh, and and surrender to that, surrender to that movement with compassion. So I'm letting the, the stories move through me, but the stories are not owning me. And at the same time, I sit at the center of the circle and I'm practicing compassion and surrender. I am not detached uh, from those stories and those emotions. This is the the invitation. And everything happens energetically with the breath.
1: Right. Yeah. Because when you're doing that, you're breathing. And when you're not doing it, you're not breathing. (laughs) It's that... That's what... It's that close to people. It's. I tell people, it's. It's right. It's that big eye is right there. Take a breath, let your body go down, feel the space around you, and don't just be the quiet for a second or two.
0: I would like to go back to the to the loss, and uh, talk about this specific piece that you wrote in your chapter about loss. Uh, There is this moment when we experience a loss, we feel that everything is meaningless, it's a grieving process and there is this space of vacuity, I think it's the Buddhists who call this vacuity. Or maybe I'm translating from French and it doesn't mean anything in English, but it's this suspended moment or period that can be very long. It's like a Bardo, an in-between space between the world you lost, you lost, and a new world that you do not know yet. But this promi- this new world has the promise of a new meaningfulness. This this space in between, this bardo the taste of this in between is emptiness can you talk to us about emptiness what what is emptiness and why do humans tend to run away from from emptiness well
1: <laughs> because m- m- all of us and i include myself identify us ourselves as a, a a creature that does things. We do things. And through that doing, we gain a sense of self. It's your ego. And I mean, it, it's so, it, it, our world is created by, so that's why I like a person's job, they, you know. Maybe they can't keep doing what they've been doing their whole life, and maybe they love it, but they can't keep doing it for some reason—physical or or whatever. And that's the that's that's one form of that. That's the empty that isn't very comfortable. Uh, and because it's like we're losing, yeah, the mean what gives us a sense of worth and value. So remember, it's it's those three things that get threatened: uh, our value, our safety, and power. And and so we our value comes, unfortunately, but still it's it comes from what we do. And I think the whole shift is to to put the value to try to have the value more in your being rather than your doing, or and that the doing emerges out of that. But that's, a for most people, a lifetime work in progress, I think. Um, but perhaps that's why when people actually are dying or go through a illness where they could easily die, that they have the biggest transformation because they can't run away from the empty at all. They can't start, you know, and... Uh, Perhaps they, they ultimately really realize, not just as a thought, that they are that consciousness that is without identity. Identity, right? I identity. Your teeth, your teeth are the hardest thing in your body. Uh, so you know that's what we that's what we lose. We're always losing ourselves, no matter what it looks like out here. You know, my dogs, my dogs, they they they're they do not know. They they die and that's it's gone. It's there's no problem. They don't you know, obviously if they suffer in their pain, uh you don't want that. But it's us that you know, if they're not there anymore to give us what we enjoyed, uh for me, which is something to love every day. That's what my dogs give me. They give me the, they have something that I can love and take care of every day. And, uh, cause I live alone and I, I need something that to have around that I do that with. But I always try to, to me, it's like, I try to work right away with the feelings that are involved with whatever that story of loss is so that i'm ready almost right away to let another one come in because uh, there's always dogs out there that need us
0: yes uh well clearly this conversation conversation is almost like at the end we we are reaching the end of the this episode and um I would like to to quote uh, the very last paragraph uh, of the chapter in your book uh, about losses um, as a conclusion. So I quote, it's the presence you bring to each moment that counts, not your analysis of that moment. You can cultivate all this vast knowledge of the human world. But how long can you remain quiet and be the stillness that you are? How long can you be free of thinking? This is the measure of your wisdom. And this quiet, no thinking spaciousness, is the circle of the medicine of one.
1: Yeah, that's, yeah. You're pretty good at picking those things out, too. (laughs) I I actually forget things like that. I won't go. Wow. okay, that that's yeah, that's right on.
0: (laughs) So, Clay, wherever our listeners, listeners are in the world right now. Many people are experiences are experiencing loss. It's uh, it's part of the life journey. And there've been many, many losses, especially during COVID. What would be your advice to, to someone? What would be your advice to our listeners to experience or to taste the medicine of one?
1: Well, if, if they can't do it in their house, it would be like, you know, create a little circle in your house. Uh, or go out and to, you know, if you live in New York City, Central Park and find a tree that you really like. And let it sort of be the guru of your circle. And, you know, whatever that's going on in your life that it has disturbed you, if it's your health and the feeling of, you know, it's a very fragile thing. Especially these poor people that have the long term side effects. Um, the emotions that get stirred up. And one of the biggest is powerlessness when you can't change it. And to me, that's one of the biggest energies to be the circle to. How do you love powerlessness? (laughs) Well, it's the same thing. Powerlessness is a vibration. It's a contraction in a way, even though it's limp so to speak. And if you can still breathe and, and and actually, you know, that's why I use the body and stuff. Uh, powerlessness to me is very strongly brought in by lying on your back and, and lifting your legs up like an infant that they hang over your belly and your hands are above you and your hands are totally limp and you're like a little baby reaching for what you want, but it's not there. And so that's choosing to own the powerlessness as love, rather than to fight it and hate it. And to struggle with it. So and that's what all the things, all the things you're talking about are whoops, what happened, our powerlessness.
0: Oh, yes, powerlessness is, is a big one. It's a really big one and probably uh, should be the topic of uh, of another conversation with you um clay thank you thank you so much from the bottom of my heart thank you so much for for this um very rich and deep conversation as usual uh it was an honor uh to have you on the podcast and i'll hope um uh to we we can talk uh together very soon you take care thank you very much
1: yep you're welcome good to spend time with you
0: I enjoyed that conversation as much as I enjoyed it. As usual with Clay, it's very rich, very deep, um, simple but never easy. If you want to discover more about Clay, you can go on his website www.medicineofone.com or you can go on Amazon and order one of his books. He wrote The Medicine of One and One Noble Truth. Thank you so much for listening to The Wild and Wise Show. Thank you.